the Old Testament, uh, and it's uh, the character um, of Jacob. You're probably familiar with Jacob, of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, he's not a very sympathetic character. He's not the kind of guy you want to head down to the pub with, you know, have a, a catch-up with. He doesn't treat his friends very well. I mean, this is, uh, his name means supplanter, schemer, twister. You probably know that some of the stories, we're going to be looking at one tonight. But just to, in a nutshell, paint you a picture, Jacob was the youngest in his family. I mean, he was one of two. It's not hard. But uh, he was a twin. And uh, his brother Esau, we read in Genesis, his brother Esau came out of the womb first. But Jacob came out right after him, holding on to his heel. I mean, I don't know if there are any midwives. Is that even possible? But holding, grabbing on, trying to drag him back in. I want to be first. I want to be first. He wanted to put himself first. He wanted stuff for himself. He was ambitious. And so, you know the story. He, he went and deceived his own brother, Esau, out of his birthright and out of his blessing. I mean, he put on some sort of hairy shoulder pads. You know the story? Where his mother's like, Esau's hairy. You better wear this so your father thinks it's Esau. I mean, his father's blind. And so he put some sort of sheep fur on his shoulders and for some reason, his father still thought that was human when he touched it. Anyway, it's always got me that bit. I mean, how hairy was the guy? But <laughs> Jacob's goal was to just deceive his own brother and his own father to get what he wanted. This is who he is. This is his character. And he, and he did that. And his mother caught wind of Esau's plans to kill him. He was so angry. He's like, as soon as my father passes away, I'm going to take Jacob down. I'm going to murder him. And his mother finds out and so warns uh, Jacob and comes up with a plot to send him off to his uncles to find a wife. So long story short, he goes off to his uncle Laban. He marries twice. He, got, he gets deceived himself. What goes around comes around. He marries the younger sister. Then he marries his beloved Rachel. He increases in that land. He prospers. He does a bit of tricksy stuff himself, deceiving his father-in-law out of some of his herds and getting wealthier and wealthier. He's up to his usual stuff. And then God calls him back to the promised land, the land of his fathers. And it's quite convenient timing because he's just deceived his uncle Laban, who probably wants his head. So he goes on a run at again. He's legging it again everywhere he goes. He's getting in trouble. He's twisting things and having to run. And the context for our reading is he is just about to enter the land uh, that Esau lives in. And he doesn't know what to expect from his brother, the one from whom he's stolen everything. I mean, the blessing was everything. And Jacob had stolen it. And he doesn't know what to expect. So he sends a scout ahead, and the scout comes back with uh, not very good news, saying, your brother Esau is coming to meet you with 400 men. <laughs> so he's terrified. And so he makes camp. And if you want to grab a Bible, green Bibles on the white tables near the pillars, perhaps hand some down the rows if you're near them. Or it's going to be coming up on the screen if not, so don't worry too much. We're in chapter 32, verse 22. Page 34. Okay. Let me just pray before we read. Lord, we just come to you. We come to your word, Lord. And 
We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this book. We thank you that it teaches us about you, about who you are and who we're called to be, about the life you call us to, the people you're making us, shaping us to be. We thank you for tonight and we pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and quicken us now, quicken our minds, quicken our hearts. We want to hear from you, Lord, the living God. We need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 22, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Just maybe keep that um, page open uh, in front of you. And, uh, yeah. What an extraordinary story. A story of a man wrestling with God. Jacob wrestles with God. I mean, how's that even possible? Well, this was Jesus in a pre-incarnate form, coming down, meeting with his servant, the one he'd called. And Jacob wrestled him. He battles with the creator of the universe and he comes away at the end of it all with a blessing and what I want to say today and generally say about the Christian life is that so often in our experience we will see these two go together in fact I would dare to say that you cannot have one without the other battle and blessing battle and blessing you see there are many streams of Christianity out there I'm sorry to say, that would have you believe that it's possible to just know blessing, that somehow if you read this book or if you put these five principles into action, all you will know is plain sailing. Everything will go your way. Everything will be bright and breezy. No problems your whole life. Well, you know, the Bible does speak about that day. But that will only come when Jesus returns, when he comes back and fully establishes his kingdom, putting his enemies under his feet bringing his reward within. That day is coming. But until that day, we will all go through battles. We will all have to wrestle. Why? Because that's the way God has ordained it. That's the way he's made things to be. This is Jacob, God's chosen one the one who would become Israel, 
himself, father of the 12 tribes. And yet God comes and wrestles with him. I wonder what was going through Jacob's mind. You know, I mean, he was pretty freaked out anyway. He had Esau in his mind. He went to bed. He made camp. He would have hoped for a good night's sleep. But like any of us who, you know, when you've got a big day the next day, you know that feeling when you're just knotted up and things going through your head and you're just angsty and anxious and you can't sleep. And so the passage starts. He got up in the night. We don't know what time of night, but just in the night. Jacob got up and he decided, let's just get this done. And he woke every, and he just put them across the ford, the river. He just wanted to get on with it. And then it says he was alone. And when he was alone, a man wrestled with him. He would have been terrified. Perhaps he thought it was an enemy. Perhaps he thought it was an assassin. Little did he know at that point it was actually God. And isn't that an encouragement for us? I mean, so often we rail against things, situations, circumstances, thinking, oh, the enemy's doing this and he's letting this in and I'm getting oppressed and this is coming my way. It's an attack, it's an assailant. And we think it's just of the enemy. And yes, those things do come, for sure. We do have an enemy. The devil prowls around like a lion. But so often I wonder if it isn't God pulling the strings in our lives as well. Acts 14, says, they encouraged the disciples to remain true to the faith, saying we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Do you know hardships? Do you know tough times? Well, rejoice. Rejoice. Because we are on the way to the kingdom, the glorious kingdom. And the trick for all of us, the trick for us as a church, is whether we'll hold on until the blessing comes. Jacob wrestled. How about you? I wonder today if you've got things in your life that you are wrestling with, things you are trying to make sense of, things which you would rather not have but which have just come upon you and are just using up all your energy, all your strength. Of course you have. We all have. It's what it is to be a human being and it's certainly what it is to be a Christian. And these things come not because of some failing on our part, not because God is letting us down or not coming through, but simply because he has ordained it that way. Why? To somehow bring more glory to himself and ultimately one day more glory to us as well. You know, I said I didn't sympathize much with Jacob, but the more I thought about him over the summer and reflected on this, the more I've had to recognize that I see something of myself in him. You know, and I hope you don't mind me, I'm, I'm going to be quite honest tonight. I'm going to share a bit about myself, about my own journey, because actually I feel it's important. I want you to know a bit more about me, who I am, as I take and play my part in helping Tim steer and lead this church. And I want, I guess, to try and model something to us all, an openness and a vulnerability, which I believe is so key in this age, in reaching this culture. So, speaking of myself, you know, I think I, I was always... I think I was born sort of a, a fighter and a wrestler. I came out of the womb like Jacob came out gripping his twin Esau's heel. 
Mum and Dad assured me I came out of the womb blue, apparently, because somehow I'd gotten a fight with the umbilical cord on my, on my way through some tube or other, and it was wrapped around my neck. And, you know, the enemy was trying to take me out right from the start. So luckily, that didn't succeed. So I know what it is, you know, I know what it is to come out and have life against you. I came into a family where I was the youngest. Uh, I had my brother from my mum and dad. I had my two half-sisters older from my mum's first marriage. My mum's marriage today, I've inherited three step-siblings whom I love. I'm still the youngest. Cousins, near and far, on my generation, my, my level. I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest across the board. So I've had to fight, or I felt I've had to fight and compete. Always wanting to be bigger than I was at that time. Always wanting to be a bit quicker, always wanting to be able to keep up. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what it's like? Any of you who are the youngest probably do. You're fighting. You're fighting for what life has to offer. And that's what I thought life was. And that can be a negative for sure, but it can also be a positive if you yoke that aggression for the purposes of God's kingdom at a time and in a culture where the gospel suffers such opposition. If you can get a vision and carry that energy into it, that fight, then you can see God do great things. So although there are negatives, there are also positives. And you know what? I see that hunger. I see that ambition in this church. Increasingly, I mean, increasingly Tim and I sort of reflect to each other on just how extraordinary it is. The people God is calling to be part of us here. The people and gifts and talents that, that he's gathering. That God must have something really quite big in mind and we're just trying to stay faithful with what that is. And if you're excited to be part of that, to come and find out what part you can play, then we would love you to join in, join with us here. You know, Jacob had that hunger. He had that ambition. But the problem was it was mainly selfish. It was mainly focused on him and on his life, his success. But I believe God saw something in him, in his heart, that he knew that if he could just turn that ambition off of himself and onto God, if he can turn that reliance off of his own strength and onto God's strength, then he would have someone with whom he could change the world. But it took a wrestle to get Jacob there. And it will take the same for us. I wonder if you wrestle. If you're wrestling with things tonight. There are battles in your life. You know, there are things that I battle with. I don't want to spend too long on these things. They all begin with C, so you can follow them. And there's good news at the end of it. So if it sounds like, oh, God, this sounds a bit negative, just stay with it. The blessing is coming, eh? The blessing is coming. What do I wrestle with? Yeah, I, I sometimes wrestle with my calling, if I'm honest. You know, most of the time, I just, I'm loving it. I, I, I'm in the best job in the world. And in so many sort of uh, statistics, so many surveys show that uh, often vicaring comes out as the number one for the happiest job in the world. Did you know that? There was one that happened, I think it was Evening Standard or Guardian or something, Tim Reed. Uh, it's a recent, a recent study. No, I don't I actually don't know what Tim reads. Metro. No, I'm joking. But the studies show that I'm in the, I'm in the happiest job in the world, and yet I wrestle. I wrestle with the calling. Why, Pat? Why? Uh, why? Because I get lonely sometimes. You know, my favorite day of the week is Sunday. 
It's my favorite because the people of God gather together, the family of God, who we are as a church here at St. Dee's. Hopefully you've experienced this already, that there is such a sense of community. There is such a sense of family, of knowing and being known. And I love it because the family get together. This is pretty much my high point of the week. So I'm on cloud nine at this point. But then, you know, Monday morning comes around. And I don't know what happens, but... I feel like, you know, the world has ended. I mean, you've all disappeared. You've all gone somewhere. I don't know where you go <laughs> during the week. Come in here and looking, not any of you to be seen. You're offering your jobs and doing this, and I'm next door in the vestry, and we're working away. I just sometimes, I feel it. And there's a loneliness in leadership. There's a loneliness in bickering. And I just wrestle with it. I wrestle with the invisible nature of the work sometimes. You know, many of you will be in jobs where you get to see sort of profit and loss accounts, right? Or graphs showing, you know, sales increasing. You know, let's go and make more sales and look at another chart. And that's fantastic. There's stuff you can look at. Or you're in sort of architecture and you come up with a design. Is that good? Yeah. And then you go and do another one and you come up with it and then you see the building take shape or you're in interior design. I don't know what you're in, but more often than not, most get to see. I wrestle with how invisible the fruit of so much of our labors are. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know if it's really having an impact on you, if you're loving Jesus more, if you're really following him more. I hope so. But it can be frustrating. It's a little thing. These are all little things. But I wrestle. Just to keep it positive. I wrestle with my calling. That's one of them. I, I wrestle with, secondly, the cost. This is something for all of us as Christians. As we're trying to work out what's God calling us to? Who's he calling us to be? Well, he's calling us to be faithful to him. Jesus is calling us to be faithful to his words, his teachings, to be salt and light. You know, the reason salt is useful is because it's in direct contrast with that in which it's trying to sort of make salty. So there is contrast. Light is effective because it's in contrast to the darkness. There's a cost involved. There's going to be opposition. And Jesus, I, I feel, would be asking each one of us, are you prepared? Are you up for that? That cost. They hated me. They'll hate you too. Not because you're not nice. I mean, we're all frightfully nice. But because of my words, because of the standard that I call humanity to live by, are you prepared for that cost? It could be any number of things. The issues we're called to take a stand on and proclaim about, teach about. You know, just the exclusivity of Jesus. Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not a particularly popular message in a pluralistic society. Or gay marriage, now on the statute books. Gosh, really, Lord, you want, I have to take a stand, speak about, you know, mm, that's not going to go down well. Are we prepared to do it? Am I prepared for the cost? I wrestle with it, just the cost of being a disciple. The cost of speaking to people about eternal matters. You know, I'm pre pretty, you know, happy-go-lucky, easy-going most of the time, and yet... 
with the gospel, we have truth of such significance, of eternal importance, because yes, there's a heaven, as our old vicar at uh, HTB used to, to say, Sandy Miller, yes, there's a heaven, but there's also the other place. There's also a hell carrying the, the burden of that, knowing we can't just drift down easy street. We can't just opt for the easy way out or an easy life. It's costly. Are you ready for that, Pat? Are you guys ready for that? I wrestle with the cost of it all. So the calling, the cost. The third thing I just briefly want to speak about and just be honest about is I wrestle with, uh, the third C stands for companion. I wrestle with finding my companion my running mate to do this life with. I mean, I think most of us in this room have a longing for that, don't we? We'd want to be married, God willing, it might happen. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not an idol. God is. God is all we need. Yet I long for that companion. I trust God for her one day. But I wrestle because my trust was impacted when I moved down from Edinburgh University, I was 22, uh, back in the 19th century. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's about 13 years ago, not far off. And I, got, I, I started working at HDB, and I was excited about life. You know, I was excited about new opportunities. I was excited about a new city. And I was excited about just the plans the Lord might have for me in this area, that he might have someone for me. And I, said, I went to the Lord. I had a, a time, a week of quite intense praying. I was like, Lord, you know I can barely make a decision over a pair of trainers. I mean, I go to every store and check. I go to every store and try on every pair and I thin it down and put them aside. And then when I've got it, I, go, I revisit them. Anyone? And then I go and buy the pair I like and then I take them home and I only wear them on the carpet. And most likely I go back once or twice thinking I'm going to get a refund. I can barely make a decision about a pair of trainers. I said, Lord, I can barely decide about a pair of trainers. How on earth am I going to make a decision if that's what it takes, uh, uh, in this area. You are going to help me. I have to help me. And so I prayed. And I went after God. And long story short, I had an extraordinary dream. And in my dream, I was seeing my wedding day. And I was experiencing the emotions of my wedding day. And my eyes, I was as awake as I am today. And I felt the emotions as clear as I do any emotion today. And I was speaking to the Lord. And we were about to drift off from the scene. And I remember saying, Lord, but who am I waiting for? And you know what? This person's face appeared. Whom I barely knew. But I'd remembered meeting her. And I could just the next morning remember her name. I mean, this isn't sort of wish fulfillment. I didn't have a crush and then just had a dream. I, you know, I, this thing... <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Just what I needed. Um, no, 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 this came from out of the blue. And so I was like, great, let's run with that. It seems like a good choice. If it's of you, then I'll go with it. And so I went through life. And our paths crossed. We got to know each other through church things. Um, and we, you know, would hang out with groups and other people and seem to get along. I thought, I'll just bide my time. You know, Lord, you know the timing. So one year goes past and she's off doing her thing and... Sort of two years go past and 
three years, it's like, hey, how are you doing? Do you um, fancy getting a coffee sometime? It's like, no, easy, I'm, I'm breezy. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so then it's four years, five, six. Seventh year, she meets some guy. Looks quite serious. And then she gets engaged. And I'm still <laughs> holding on. And then after seven years, she gets married. She married someone else. I'm sharing with this. I'd love it if we just honored this and just don't sort of don't. There's no need to ask who it is. I am, they are an incredible couple. I bless them. Wonderful family. Just, I wish them all the best. I'm fine, you know, I'm fine. But for some time, it was like a truck had hit me. I mean, where do you go? What do you do with that? When you've built your house on what you thought was, was a rock, and it turned out seemingly to be sand, how do you move forward? How do you trust God, who seemed to be the one who said it? How do you trust the prophetic, whether one hears from God at all? Everything was sort of, I was in a flat spin, you know, like Maverick and Goose, Top Gun. You know, when they go through the wash and then they just lose control and they just spin. In, that's where I was. And it was tough. And it hit me and, and I wrestle. It's left me with a limp. I wrestle. It's fine and we're going to see the blessing shortly. But we have these wrestles, don't we? In life. And where do we go? Well, we take them to God. <laughs> the irony being that often he's the one who's wrestling with us. He's the one who's giving us those limps. And Jacob, we read of today, Jacob wrestled with, with God till dawn. I mean, I don't know what time of night he got up. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he got up at three. He still went two hours with the creator of the universe. I mean, how does he do this? Well, it was because of his strength. It was because of his human pride. The power of his flesh, everything he'd relied on. Jacob fighting for what he had, for what he wanted. And it got him so far. He was a self-made man. He was relying on himself. He'd stood on his own two legs his whole life. But there came a point where God was like, right, enough's enough. And he just touched the socket of his hip and put his hip out. And as any of you wrestlers will know, that is the thing you depend on most when you're pivoting and getting your grip. <laughs> Serious, that's what you do. So he was out. What could Jacob do? All he could do was hold on. So Jacob just clings on. I think he realized at the point when his socket was touched. I'm interested. I don't know if this is real. I'm interested that it was the socket. It says the socket, not the hip. So I think the Lord, somehow he got inside that hip and just tapped it out from the inside. Do you know what I mean? Just popped it out that way. And Jacob knew that had happened. I think he realized, this is no man. There's something more going on here. And all he can do is hold on. And you know, the difference for us in our lives between just knowing battle and knowing blessing is perseverance. Simply holding on and demanding that God blesses you. And all that God asks in return is honesty. Is honesty from us. Recognition and ownership of who we really are. Vulnerability. You see, when he says, bless me, Jacob, God responds, what is your name? 
Jacob. He answers, what is your name? In Hebrew, there was so much more to a name. It really embodied who that person was, told you about their character, that personality. When God is asking Jacob, what is your name? He is asking him to confess who he has been his entire life, who he has been up until that point, the highs and lows. What is your name, Jacob? I'm a trickster. I'm a supplanter. I'm a twister. I'm a sinful man. When God draws near to us, he demands honesty. Us telling, us telling him who we really are. And in that moment, through that honesty, God is freed up to give him a new identity and a new name. He says, no, no, no. You were that man. You were that woman. No more. That's dealt with. I accept you. I receive you. I love you. From now on, you will have a new name. Your new name will be Israel, which means one who prevails with God. Which is quite an improvement, isn't it? On Jacob, if we're honest. One who prevails with God. See, Jacob began that fight as one who relied on himself and wasn't afraid to bend the rules to get what he wanted. But he ends it by needing to lean his entire weight on another in order just to stand. And that other who he leans on is the very one who's wounded him, himself. He leans on another He receives a new identity. What a picture of the Christian life that is for each one of us. The life we want as individuals, the life we want as a church, that we want to be a people, we want to be a church that leans on God, that doesn't lean on our own gifts and our own abilities in the natural. Wonderful those those things are. But leans on God Almighty that comes to the end of ourselves and our own resources, our own strengths, and trusts in God alone. Who are we? Who is God calling us to be? A people who rest on Yahweh, who look to Him, who know Him and know where they've come from and where they're going. That's the journey each one of us are on. Called of God like Jacob. God knows exactly when to take us into battles to shape us and when to pour out blessing too. That will be the story of our lives and it will be the story of our church here at St. Dee's. Battle and blessing, battle and blessing. You see, yeah, I, I wrestle with my calling, but you know what that's far deeper than the wrestling is a knowledge of the honor and the privilege it is to get to preach the gospel to get to point people to Jesus Christ, the Savior, the living God, day in, day out. What a joy. What a blessing. So when I wrestle, I just hold on and I say, Lord, get me. I need your blessing. And he says, remember what a blessing it is, Pat, to know me, to make me known. You know, someone once said, if called to be a preacher, who would stoop to be a king? Amen. And where I wrestle with the cost, you know, God is kind enough every day through his spirit, through his word, to remind me that the life to come, 
the glory we each will know will far outweigh these transitory troubles we know in this life, this life that is such a breath. Glory is coming. Heaven is coming. And whilst there are tough truths to share, sure, there are oh, so many more good ones. A God who loves us. A God who's for us. A God who doesn't stay up there, unknown and unknowable, but comes down, takes on flesh, wrestles with us, meets with us in the dust, in the pain of life, goes through it and even goes to a cross himself, laying down his life for each one of us. That's the God that we can know. That's the God we're making known. That's what we're called to as a church, to be salt and light, to proclaim that good news. Yes, there are tough truths to share, but there are so many good ones too. And where, where it's been a battle for me and a wrestle with regards to that companion, well, you know what? I used to think that was plan A and now I'm on some plan B track. But recently I just had a strong encouragement that God is the God of two plan A's or three, or ten, or a thousand. With God, nothing is impossible. The best is yet to come. I hold on to that. I draw hope from that. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever your battle is, know that he is good, that he has only the best, that with him it's always plan A. And in the meantime, we have each other. Many, numerous companions, male and female, to have fun with, to do life with. And what a joy to be part of this community. That's who we are at St. Dee's. That's who we are as a church. What's our vision for the church? Is to have such a real relationship with God that we trust in him during the good times and the bad, the battles and the blessings. Is to be a community where we are honest with each other, about where we are, what we're struggling with. Not afraid to be real and vulnerable. And I hope it's been all right being a bit vulnerable tonight so that we can stand with each other in the battles but also celebrate with each other in the blessings because that is what this world is looking for. A community of disciples who radically love God and love one another, who are real about life, real when it hurts, and real when it's good. That's what this world is looking for. We want to be a community where we're so committed to God's word and God's truth that we're not afraid to own the fact that he lovingly disciplines his children. That sometimes he puts out our hips and gives us a limp, sometimes for life, but only because... He wants to bring us blessing. The true blessing of resting on him alone and trusting in him alone. This is who we already are. This is who we increasingly want to be. And if you're thinking about joining us, throwing your lot in, then we welcome you and we look forward to continuing the adventure with you. Shall we stand? Tim's going to come up and lead us.